These words of Jesus are powerful, powerful words. Strong words. We often don't get to them because we hear the Beatitudes and then we cut off and move on to some other part of the gospel. But I think that these particular words may be the most important words from Jesus for our life in this time and in this place as the church. But what do they mean? What are salt and what are light? Salt is something we now think of as a spice. In fact, that's usually where you find it in the grocery store. And even this particular translation of the old Greek text talks about salt losing its taste. But the reality is that the basis of this verse is the idea that salt is not a spice, but a preservative. It is a thing that keeps something in shape and useful rather than letting it rot away. My mom, my grandmother, make preserves. My great-grandmother and my grandmother made pickles, and pickles out of all sorts of things, cucumbers and onions and peppers and any vegetable that happened to be around. We use salt to make jerky, taking meat and preserving it. We learn about salt tack and how that was used to keep sailors going when they were afloat on the ocean for weeks on end. Salt is the thing that keeps food edible. It's a preservative. But what about light? Well, we have a similar problem with light that we have with salt. We forget that what light's original function was was not as a decoration as something that beautifies things. As I flew in over Montreal last night, I saw the Champlain Bridge all beautifully lit up, the Jacques Cartier Bridge with all of its multiple lights, all of downtown Montreal. We can go out to lighting stores and get all sorts of different kinds of light fixtures. We think of light as we think of artwork. But light is really about safety. Robbers hide in the dark. When we purchase new properties, whether it be in Puerto Rico or Jamaica or Haiti or anywhere else, one of the first things we do is put up security lights all around the building so that you can see things coming in and going out. And not just security from people, but also security for our own feet and knees. When you stay in an apartment or a house that you've never been in before, or a hotel room, you want to have a nightlight on somewhere because if you have to get up in the middle of the night and you're not familiar with the space and you don't have a light on, you are going to stub your toe. And it hurts. You're going to scrape your knee. And so salt is something that preserves and light is something that keeps safe. Now, they weren't always this way. Light was something a little bit bigger than just the thing that kept you protected. In the beginning, God said, light be, and light was. Five short words in the Hebrew. Light be, and light was. It's that simple. Jesus called himself the light of the world. The word of God is called the light of the world. And where light is not, there is no thing. You hear what I said? Where light is not, there is nothing, because darkness is not a thing. It's an absence 
of light. Light is creation. Light, if I might use the words of John's Gospel, is life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made. What was made in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's almost as if John is purposefully bouncing back and forth between light and life, between visibility and creation, tying it all together and centering it on the sun, on Jesus. A little pun there. Sun gives life and light, and so does the Son of God. And that brings us to salt. The problem with creation, this beautiful thing that God made in the beginning and said was good at the end of every day, is that it's fallen. Darkness invited himself over, and we all said, y'all come in. And he pulled up a chair and made himself at home. There's a reason why the other phrase we use for Satan or the devil is the prince of darkness. He is the one who undoes. He is not a maker himself, but he is a destroyer. He can take the things that God has made and make them fall apart, make them serve a function other than the one that they were intended to have. Now, because we have invited darkness into our world and into our hearts through Adam and Eve, and he has made himself so at home, one would think creation would just be falling apart at the seams. But God is also a preserver. He will not allow things get so bad that there is no creation at all. And so when we say that we believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Luther says we are also saying, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, my reason and all my senses, my members and my eyes and my ears, and still takes care of them, preserves them, even though it doesn't always seem that way as we get stronger glasses and better hearing aids. But God is not just light that comes into the darkness, but also the salt that preserves creation. Now Jesus comes to his disciples, and that's to whom he is speaking in Matthew chapter 5. There are all sorts of crowds around, but Jesus gathers his disciples on the mountain and opens his mouth and begins to speak to them. And he starts with the Beatitudes, which we hear at least once, sometimes twice a year. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But then he transitions into this talk of us being salt and us being light. Because now his spirit dwells in us and his righteousness lives in us. And so now we take on the function of God in the world. God works through you and through me to continue being salt and light in the world. That's why we love his commandments. The world does not love God's commandments. Paul points out in 1 Corinthians that the natural man does not like salt, does not like light when it's referring to God, but we do even when we understand how difficult it is to do the things that God says we ought to do, at the same time, we can look at those words and love them and say, yes, Lord, 
Amen, amen. May it be so in the world and among us. We are light if and when Jesus shines through us and breaks the darkness. And we are salt if and when we preserve one more soul by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And by our prayers preserve the world that there might be one more day for people to hear that good news. We are salt and light if and when God reflects his nature through us and his power to save is shared through us. The challenge, then, is knowing what God's work looks like when it shows up. The darkness is still there in our hearts. It is still there in the world. And the darkness would very much like to convince us of how he thinks salt and light should be executed. I was in the car with my boss, Pastor Ted Cray, the other day, and he has been out of the United States now for over a decade and a half. And he says, honestly, I don't understand what's happening in North America anymore because <laughs> I'm just not part of this culture. I've lived in Latin America, he says, for so long. I, you ask me what's going on in Venezuela, I can explain it to you. Ask me what's happening in the Dominican Republic. I, I've got a bead on that. But what's happening in Canada? I, I don't know. And then he asked me my opinion on our church body's newest endeavor, which is opening up an office in Washington, D.C., an office of government influencers. We're going to put people in the Capitol and we're going to change things for the better, the capital of the United States. He asked me what I thought about that. And I said, I have to be honest. I'm not sure that that's what Jesus meant when he said, be salt and light in the world. Pastor Cray agreed with me. He said, that's kind of what's been bothering me too. You see, legislation, politicians, elections, governments, in some ways, they're outward fasts. They look good. We can see them. We can get a handle on them. We can say we did something. We got a bill passed. We got the right guy or the right woman in the office. They can force people to behave a certain way. But working through those channels is not really the same as being salt and light. Light, you see, is about life. It's about creation. And in a situation where creation is in bondage, light is about freedom from slavery. It is about lifting people's yokes that are weighing them down. This is what Isaiah says. Is not this the fast that I choose, says the Lord, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? When we recognize that these sorts of things and the places where they happen are good and right and salutary, that is the spirit of Christ alive in us. But it is our calling and it is the work of God in you and in me to reflect these things in the world. Not to make somebody else do it for us. The same with salt. Salt is about saving that which would otherwise rot away and be lost. If you don't preserve the meat and salt, it goes bad. You don't preserve the vegetables, you don't have anything to eat during the winter. You need salt to save 
And so Paul goes to Corinth with salt in his pockets. That's what he's coming there to bring, to preserve people that would otherwise be lost to the kingdom of God by proclaiming to them the good news of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his salvation for all people in the world. Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and am crucified because you are already, this is his implication, so confused about so many other things. What you need right now is absolutely pure, 100% sodium chloride, salt. And so Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what is the power of God? It is to take the message of Christ and rub that salt into your soul and save you. Paul remembers what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. And if salt loses its taste, it loses its essence, then what good is it? If you as Christians no longer have God's preserving love for the world, his mercy towards sinners in your heart, then what good are you? You can no longer preserve anything. You've become just like everyone else. And so, the truth is, we are in a difficult time in the West. Most of the countries in which we live, Canada, the United States, European countries, used to be Christian. Churches used to be filled. Pastors used to be respected. Our seminaries used to be these great institutions in all of our cities. Now they're tucked away in back corners of places, looked down on by various people in our culture. Our countries are like a rocket whose engines have long ago turned off and are just coasting through space till they hit something. And then we'll wonder what went wrong. Our cultures say that they value kindness and politeness and equality and respect. Our kids will tell you that that's what they're taught during their one week every year when they're taught values and kindness and politeness and equality and respect. Or in that one class that they have that is supposed to instill those values in them. But we all know from observation those qualities are all slipping away because we're coasting. And gradually that coast comes to an end. And it can be replaced by two different things. One is whatever I want goes culture, secular relativism, which I'd say English Canada has certainly bought into, or Quebec, which is whatever we want goes for you, nationalist populism. We will make you be the kinds of people that you ought to be. Neither of these are how Christ changes the world. He could have 2,000 years ago, if he had wanted, gone into Pilate's palace and said, guess what? You're gone and the emperor's next. I'm in charge. And from now on, things are going to be different. We're going to have new laws and a new constitution and a new way of running the Roman Empire. Jesus knew that was superficial, 
It wouldn't last so long. It was out here. It was just one of those fasts that we go through that has no impact on what God really wants to change, which is hearts. We can't understand why we go to people out in the world and we try and explain why we value life, why we value possessions, why we value the Ten Commandments. Well, of course people don't understand. These are things that are only understood by the Spirit. Paul said so. But nonetheless, the calling of you and I in the world is to be salt and to be light. We cannot legislate or elect our way out of these problems. Our fight, Paul says in Ephesians, is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and dominions in the air. It is against the darkness that was invited in by Adam and Eve and still is here in our world and has caused creation to fall apart. And there is only one antidote to this problem. Salt that preserves and light that dispels darkness. Our world needs salt. Our world needs light. Which means it needs Jesus. And it needs his good news. It needs an understanding that it is through his death on the cross, through suffering and pain, that God saved the world and by his resurrection from the tomb that he has sealed our eternal life in him. And when we understand these things, the spirit that lives in us gives us a righteousness that exceeds even that of the Pharisees, who made a great outward showing of their religion, but their hearts had never been changed. Salt preserves our soul. Light shines out of our heart. Through these things, the church changes the world. It always has, and it always will. Let us therefore pray our Lord that he makes us salt, and that he makes us light, that we are not hidden under a bushel, and that we do not lose our saltiness. For the world needs the good news now more than ever. In the name of Jesus Christ.